Good morning, everybody. I'm from your home sold guaranteed realty. This is Central Florida Real Estate Radio on News Radio WFLA Orlando. Um, to discuss the sale of your home, you can call or text 407-566-2555. That's 407-566-2555. So I have lots of great stuff to talk about today. Um, you know, obviously, we always have our house of the week that we talk about later in the show. But um, I also have stuff about how Florida ranks in regards to small businesses. Um, rent costs, they're saying, are going down a little bit. Condo associations, they've, they've got some interesting things going on with them. We're going to be going over real estate appraisals and all kinds of other stuff in regards to what's happening in real estate today in Central Florida. And so we're going to start, as we always do, with the stats of what's happening. And basically, when you look at it, last week, there were 337 homes that sold last week, 414 the week before. The median price of single-family homes um, is 425000 And the inventory increased by 52, and that leaves us at 5540. So when you're looking at how that shakes down overall, of the 337 houses under 250, there were 26 of them, 24 between 250 and 300, um, 94 between 300 and 400, 77 between 400 and 500, 98 between 500 and a million, and 18 over a million. So when you're looking at uh, the, the um, months of inventory and how that kind of shakes down, overall we're at 3.79 based on the number of houses that sold this week, and 3.03 months under 250, 2.81, 250 to 300, 2.74, 300 to 400, 3.29, 400 to 500, 4.9, 500 to a million, and 7.82 over a million. So then when we're looking at that list to ask price overall, it's at 97.24. So under 250, which we always talk about, those houses generally need work. So um, that's at 93.67 of asking. Um, then we go to 95.89, 250 to 300, 98.42, 97.91, 97.87. And then over a million, it's 94.63, just because of the, the number of properties that are out there in inventory, obviously. The average days to contract is 60 at this point in time. And at the average um, square footage of a house is 2,061. Now, I don't usually get into this stat, but I thought it was interesting as well. So under 250, the average size of a house is a 3-2, that's 1,216 square feet. Between 250 and 300, again, it's a 3-2, and they're 1,373 square feet. Between 300 and 400, they are um, 1,624 square feet, again, a three-bedroom, two-bath. And then when we're at um, 400 to 500, we're at um, 1977 square feet, and they're also a three-bedroom, two-bath. Then when we go to 500 to a million, they move up to a four-bedroom, three-bath, and they're 2671 square feet. And then over a million, they're on average four-bedroom, four-bath, and 3531 square feet. So when you look at all of that, it kind of comes down to size matters and everything as well in regards to how much the house is. And, you know, a few years ago, 
I thought that you act that sometimes you needed a bigger house than what sometimes I think you need now. And you can just look at square footage and, and it really doesn't tell you a whole lot. And yet at the same time it does because you know, when you're a lot of times in a 2000 square foot house that might be a four bedroom, two bath, you know, they all have the same kind of um, bedrooms and bathrooms and sizes when it comes to all of that kind of good stuff. But then um, they might have a formal living room, a formal dining room. And a lot of the new houses that are built today don't have those extra spaces. They might have a den or something like that. Um, in addition to the bedrooms, but they don't have that formal living, formal dining, and then family room. And so a lot of times when you get into the bigger houses, that's what they have. So depending on your family size and your lifestyle and what you're looking for, um, a lot of times that doesn't matter to a lot of people. And so the space is used very well. So even though it might seem on the surface that, wow, that's a smaller house, when you go into it, you feel like it's spacious the way that they've got everything. A lot of times they'll do those soaring ceilings and volume ceilings and all of that kind of stuff. So you can feel like it's actually bigger because you've got the height. And then with an open floor plan, it obviously feels a lot bigger too. So the biggest thing that I tell people is that when you're looking at homes, you can't judge it before you get there. You actually have to go in there and see how it feels to you. And one of my um, biggest pet peeves, I was talking to one of the agents earlier this week, is basically, you know, they have a customer and so they told them everything about the house. And when they did that, you know, the, the buyer said, well, you know, that's not something that I want to see. And, um, you know, that was unfortunate, in my opinion, because what had what happens is that when you actually go in it, then you can feel if it's something that you like or don't like, because you can't tell that on paper, you can't tell that on the pictures. And so you really have to actually go in these houses to get that feel for them. And that's why, you know, there are houses that are sold sight unseen. But it's unless you know the floor plan, and you know what it's like, and you know that neighborhood, then I think that it's not doing you justice if you want to do that. If you're just joining us, you're listening to News Radio WFLA Orlando. I'm your host, Laura Peterson, your home sold guaranteed realty. This is Central Florida Real Estate Radio with you every Sunday at 8 a.m. If you want to reach us at your home sold guaranteed realty, you can call or text 407 566 2555. That's 407 566 2555. So, Another thing in regards to, you know, looking at these houses, you know, I think that if you're in a specific neighborhood and you know you want this specific floor plan and you want um, this specific neighborhood, I think that, you know, it is a lot easier to do a uh, a house that you have not seen because you have seen the floor plan, you have seen the neighborhood. So all of those things that might be important, you know, are things that, you know, because all the rest of it is cosmetics. You can change paint, you can change counters, you can change cabinets or any of those other kinds of things. But and sometimes you can change walls and stuff like that, but that can get expensive. So when it comes down to it and doing it sight unseen, if you've seen another unit that is like that, then it makes more sense to me that you would go ahead and purchase it sight unseen.
But when it comes to neighborhoods and all of that kind of thing, I honestly think it's better for people to actually go there and see it because it's going to be something. I know there was a house that we had on the market a few years ago and there was a buyer that came in that bought it sight unseen. Their agent had done a video tour and all of that kind of thing of it, which was great. And the challenge of it was is when um, push came to shove, when the buyer came there for the inspection, they didn't like the feel of the neighborhood. And um, the, what they didn't like of the feel of the neighborhood is there was a neighbor next door that liked to use their front yard and sit on their front porch. And that's what they didn't like. But that's not something that you would ever know until you actually got there. And that's not the way everybody feels, but that's the way that this particular person felt. So in my opinion, it's really important that you do take the time, energy, and effort to check out the neighborhood, check out the floor plans, and then you can do it sight unseen. All right, so the rest of our stats that we have are on condos, townhomes, and villas. And basically, um, they were 118 last week versus 115 the week before, so pretty consistent. The median price is at 281250 So that's an increase, but that's versus 425 for a single-family home. So if you're on a budget, that might be the way to go. Um, the inventory increased by 19, and that gives us 27.68 when it comes to that. So when we're looking at how all that shakes down, when you're looking at of the 118, 42 of them were under 250, 24 between 250 and 300, um, 28, 29 between 300 and 400, 12 between 400 and 500, 11 between 500 and a million, and none of them over a million. So their months of inventory is sitting at 5.41. So obviously um, should be a little bit more room there. And 97.91 is still the overall list to asking price. And all of them were pretty close in that 97 or 98 range. Um, the average days to contract was 47 on this batch. And uh, so... Anyway, in order to get in touch with us, you can call or text 407-566-2555. You can find us online at centralfloridarealestateradio.com, and we'll see you after the break. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Laura Peterson, your host of Central Florida Real Estate Radio on News Radio WFLA Orlando. I'm from Your Home Sold Guaranteed Realty, and to discuss the sale of your home, you can call or text 407-566-2555. That's 407-566-2555. So, you know, I've got a lot of great stuff to talk about, like I was saying um, at, the, at the beginning of the show. And one of the things that it's talking about here is that Florida ranks second best as a small business state. So the state got high marks for its net influx of educated workers, job creation rate, which was up 12.7%, and consumer spending was up 3.4%. So we're number two um, as the best state for entrepreneurs and small businesses in the U.S. in 2024, according to Simplify LLC. Um, number one is Texas. And um, basically uh, what it comes down to is that when you're looking at the influx of educated workers in Florida, um, we have 144,915 we're number six for job creation rate with a 12.7% increase and number 15 for consumer spending, which rose by 3.4%. So rounding out the top five states when you're looking at it, uh, number one is Texas, number two is Florida, number three is Wyoming, 
four is Missouri and five is Delaware. So according to the U.S. Small Business Administration, more small businesses were launched in the nation in 2023 than ever before, with 5.5 million new small businesses created last year. It was the third year in a row for record levels of new small businesses in the U.S. So obviously that's great, and we're happy to congratulate Florida for being number two. Um, Another uh, study that came out that's showing about Florida's rent costs. And among the states, Florida has had the highest percentage of decline, but not in Orlando. (laughs) Um, Basically, it was 9.21% in rent prices year over year in 2023. But monthly rent remains higher than the nation's average. So um, basically, when you're looking at it, Orlando um, actually had a median average rent of $2,119, which was only a 0.53% decline. So a half a percent is all it went down. So it stayed the same or went down a little. And that's kind of where we're at. And according to um, a a 2022 study of 107 rental markets in the U.S., 10 of the 14 most overvalued markets were Florida. Additionally, workers were relocated as their employers required them to return to the office. So there's a couple things that happened um, basically to cause the rents to go down a little bit. Um, One of them is you guys can just see it as you're driving around, you know, that there are obviously lots and lots of properties that are being built. I mean, you see those elevator stacks going up first, and then it seems like five minutes later, you see cars in the parking lot and people living there. So what happens with these big developments is that they want to get them rented and get them rented quicker, quickly because time is money. So they might offer incentives and that kind of stuff for people to come in. And we have been sitting on an extreme housing shortage here in Central Florida. And so all of those things are starting to help. Now, we had such big increases in rent that a half a percent is really nothing in the bucket of how much they increased because they were going up, um, you know, Um, probably about 20% in some cases every year for the last few years. So the fact that they stayed the same and only went down a half a percent is really, like I said, nothing in the big scheme of things. So it'll be interesting to see what happens um, coming up here. And I think that we did have, well, we know we had after the pandemic, we had a lot of people moving to Florida that were working in other places because they could work from home, they could be anywhere. And so that created kind of a feeding frenzy in our market, raised the prices up of single family homes and all of those kinds of things. And so as a result of all of that, you know, the market went up substantially after the pandemic. Um, We have stayed very consistent since then because we still have people moving to Florida, maybe not at that rate. And a lot of people have had to go back to their offices. And so they had to go back from Florida to where they came from if they wanted to keep those jobs and that kind of thing. But as I just mentioned, you know, there's a lot of small businesses open up. So a lot of people that didn't have to move back decided that it wasn't worth the time, energy and effort to do that. And maybe they'd start their own business or do something like that. So that happened as well. But if you're just joining us, you're listening to News Radio WFLA Orlando. I'm your host, Laura Peterson, your home sold guaranteed realty. This is Central Florida Real Estate Radio with you every Sunday at 8 a.m. If you'd like to reach us, you can call or text 407-566-2555. That's 407-566-2555. 
So um, basically, when you're you're looking at real estate in Central Florida, you know, um, we're actually sitting very good for rentals for the investors that are renting properties out. And um, actually, there's a property that's coming on the market that I know it's going to get a 10% return on investment based on the um the, the rent that you're getting for that area. Um, it's a two bedroom, um, one bath property. It's a condo. And when you're all in with all of the expenses and the taxes and all of those kinds of things, um, you're still looking at a 10% return based on what the current rents are at 1600. And that property is going to go somewhere in the neighborhood of 130, 135,000. And then, um, you know, like I said, I have calculated in the home homeowners association or the condo fee as well as the um as well as the taxes and everything based on that sales price. So it's still an excellent return on investment that you're going to get, you know, on that property. And what I've found is that when you actually vet the people up front and you get a good tenant in there, um, you know, they're worth their weight in gold because they pay on time. And, uh, you know, they might have a few little issues when they're first getting settled. But then after that, everything kind of settles down. So, um, you know, it's over 10% return on investment on that and that's just one unit that I'm aware of so um, and that's a condo obviously and so sticking in the vein of condos there is um, a, a bill out there and it hasn't been passed yet it's the house has got a limit in regards to how much a condo association can get and the senate the state senate doesn't have a limit so they're going to have to come to some kind of a compromise before it goes through but basically it's saying that the condo associations based on the limit might get up to 175,000 for storm proofing so this is part of um, you know getting the condo associations to harden their buildings against severe weather so um, basically um, it's um, you can get up to one hundred and seventy five thousand per association in state funds for storm proofing projects under House Bill that is nearing the phys- the um, the finish line. So these would be matching, and it's similar to the My Safe Florida home project that it's for condominiums. And so um, the, there's a $25 million that's being proposed, and that's not really going to cover um, – uh, it's only a fraction of the 27,588 condo associations that exist here in Florida. But basically, they would fund a windstorm mitigation inspection by a certified inspector who would then identify ways to make the property more resistant to hurricane damage. Um, they would then apply for a grant, grant uh, submitting the name and license number of its selected contractor. And then the president of the association has to affirm that the improvements are going to be completed. And then after the grants approved, the association would have a year to complete the project or request an extension. And once the improvements are complete, another inspection to ensure the project adheres to the requirements of the program and the Florida Building Code, which obviously is important. And then to pay for the match required to obtain grants, associations will have to dip into their reserves or might have to have a special assessment. So basically what the bottom line is, is that I was talking to a lady um, that bought over in Ormond Beach. And she was just very concerned because there were some delayed um, maintenance things, deferred maintenance that needs to be done on the association. So this might be a windfall, you know, for that association. And that would be 
you know, great for everybody. So in order to get in touch with us, you can call or text 407-566-2555. You can find us online at centralfloridarealestateradio.com, and we'll see you after the break. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Laura Peterson, your host of Central Florida Real Estate Radio on News Radio WFLA Orlando. I'm from your home sold guaranteed realty, and to discuss the sale of your home, you can call or text 407-566-2555. That's 407-566-2555. So I'm going to go over here the basics of real estate property appraisals. And, you know, um, I've gotten into many arguments with different realtors um, in regards to what an appraisal is and all of that kind of stuff. And basically the the reason for that is because a lot of times the um, – other realtor might say that the appraisal is the value of the home. And many times it is, but there are many times that it is not. And basically, if your market is really stable, like ours is right now, the appraisals are coming in pretty consistent to the market value of what a buyer and seller agree to. That is just kind of the way that it is. You know, it's like they're they're all kind of on the same page with that because um, the buyers are looking at the comps, the sellers are looking at the comps, which are the comparable properties are what the comps are. Um, And basically, um, when it comes down to it in this market, a lot of times, because we've been very stable for the last couple of years in pricing, you know, we're not getting a lot of flack when it comes to the appraisals, they're coming in pretty consistent. Because, you know, I'm doing my own analysis and that kind of thing. And hopefully the other agent is as well. And obviously the buyer and seller. But um, basically, when it when it comes down to it in a market that is increasing, then the appraisals are behind because the only properties that an appraiser can look at are really the closed sales. So if that property is not um, already sold, they can't consider it. And so, um, you know, when a property goes under contract and then it's 30 days later that it actually goes to finalization, that's the time the appraiser can use that sale. Now, I've had situations where the appraisal was done on like, say, Wednesday, and there was a property that closed on Thursday, meaning it sold on Thursday. And basically, um, you know, that appraiser cannot use that sale because they did that appraisal on Wednesday and it closed on Thursday and so, or sold on Thursday. And so as a result of that, you know, um, in an increasing market, it's very tough for the appraisals to come in at market value. And um, I've had many agents that told me that it was, you know, that the appraisal was the value of the home. And I just had to tell them when I was representing the seller that it absolutely is not in an increasing market because there are people out there that are willing to pay above the appraised value. And when we're in that kind of market, that's what you have to negotiate. You have to negotiate that the buyer is willing to bring X amount above appraised value, um, you know, to market price and that kind of thing in order to make things happen. And usually we do that because sometimes the buyer only has, you know, maybe 5,000 more in savings that they can bring to the deal. So they need to put their best foot forward on there. If I'm working with the buyer, I'm going to tell them the same thing that we need to put that in there. You know, we're, we're kind of trying to make sure that it, that the appraisal comes out to the best thing that we can, but in the event that it doesn't, you know, they're willing to, 
you know, put in that extra money. And when, and when the market's increasing and at times when it's increasing, it's increasing every month. So by the next month, you know, your house is going to appraise at that value and you can always refinance six months down the road or whatever, um, like that, but it becomes really important and all that kind of stuff. Um, one thing that it's talking about here is that it says an individual appraiser's local knowledge and experience contribute to the completed appraisal report um, through the entries in a and that to conform to a certain standards in order to be consistent, dependable, and uniform. And that is so important that the appraiser does know that area. Um, I remember it was several years ago that I had a buyer that was, it was several years ago, because it was actually when um, the market was down, down, down. I think it was about 2010 or 11 or whatever, somewhere when the market was way down. And there were several condos in this one area. And, um, you know, the, uh, the, condo that my buyer was buying was actually quite a bit superior to all of the other condos in the area. And the condos in that development actually sold for more. Now I'm representing the buyer here in this situation. And um, the seller was actually a bank. It was a foreclosed property. And what happened is that appraiser came in and said that the value was $30,000 under what the buyer um you, you know, what the offer was by the buyer, $30,000. And the buyer didn't have that money and the market was decreasing and all of that kind of thing. And so as a result of that, w the buyer actually got that property for 30000 less than, in my opinion, what the value was. And the reason why is because that appraiser did not use the correct comps. So we look at appraisals with a fine tooth comb and there are ways that you can go and, um, you know, point things out to the appraiser that they can reevaluate and that kind of thing. But you have to be very careful in the way that you do that in making sure that, you know, it's like you're respecting the appraiser's opinion and everything. And just usually it's some kind of an error that you found that you're able to, to point out to them. Like if I was, you know, representing the seller in that, particular instance, then I definitely would have told the, the, um, appraiser that, Hey, you're using these inferior condos right here. You need to use these as comps that are the same ones. And that would have made a huge difference. But if you're just joining us, you're listening to news radio, WFLA Orlando. I'm your host, Laura Peterson, your home sold guaranteed realty. This is central Florida real estate radio with you every Sunday at 8am. If you'd like to reach us at your home sold guaranteed realty, you can call or text 407-566-2555. That's 407-566-2555. So basically, when it comes down to it, you know, the appraisers are trying to find similar properties that are in the area and that were sold in the last four months. So it kind of limits a lot of time. If you're in a subdivision that has a lot of similar houses, then that's going to make a huge difference in regards to how it's going to work too. The appraisal is actually not for the buyer per se, but it's for the lender because the lender is trying to make sure that their value that they're giving you as a loan on this house is going to stand up to what the current value is. And so 
when the appraisers are looking at historical information than when the market's increasing or when it's decreasing, you know, you could have a little bit of a challenge there. Now, one of the things that the appraisers are looking at, though, is they're noting on there if the market is increasing or decreasing. And if it is decreasing, they're usually a bit more conservative. When it's increasing, they're still more conservative. So basically, you have to remember that you're dealing with a bank that's going to be giving a loan on this. And so that's what the challenge with everything is when you're looking at it. There's a couple things that they're looking at when it comes to um, an appraisal. One of them is the condition and the other one is the quality. So a C1 is a recently constructed um, property. A C2 is has no deferred maintenance and recently renovated or upgraded. C3 is well-maintained, normal wear and tear. And uh, C4 is minor deferred maintenance, um, normal wear and tear, adequately maintained and minor repairs needed. C5 is obviously deferred or lack of maintenance and larger repairs might be needed. Um, C6 is um, substantial damage, lack, lack of maintenance, condition causes safety or structural concerns, and major repairs are needed. So obviously, you know, you, you, want, you don't want your house to fall into that. Um, and then they go into quality. So Q1 is architecturally designed and custom built, extremely high quality materials, workmanship, etc. Q2 is often custom designed by highly upgraded or modified from basic plans. C3 is highly quality construction, some upgrades from standard above average workmanship. Q4 is standard design from available plans, code compliant, builder grade workmanship. And um, then Q5 is basic design and functionality, code compliant, below average workmanship. And Q6 is um, basic quality cost, may not be suitable for full-time occupancy. Another thing that you wouldn't really want your house to be at. So in order to get in touch with us, you can call or text 407-566-2555. You can find us online at centralfloridarealestateradio.com, and we'll see you after the break. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Laura Peterson from, this is Central Florida Real Estate Radio on News Radio WFLA Orlando. I'm from your home sold guaranteed realty and to discuss the sale of your home, you can call or text 407-566-2555. That's 407-566-2555. So what I was talking about here today is I was talking about the appraisals. And like I said, um, in the last segment, I went through all the conditions and um, those kinds of things. And the usable comps should be, which are the comparables, should be in the same general condition and quality categories as the subject property and must be recent closed sales. Um, basically, when they're looking at adjustments, which there are always adjustments to make sure that everything comes out even, they're going to be looking at the year built, the lot size, the square footage of the property, the room counts, any upgrades in regards to flooring, kitchen, bathrooms, air conditioners, roofs, that kind of thing, the garage type and size, and on-property features like a swimming pool, landscaping, etc. And so basically, another thing that I think is very critical to look at is seller concessions. Now, when you're looking at a lot of the sites online, you're going to see what the house sold for. And that's all you're going to see. You're not going to know any of the details that were involved in it. In a lot of cases, there are seller concessions. I remember there was one house that I was working with a buyer on, 
And basically, um, it was a house that sold for like 1.1 million. And so when we were looking at it, and we were kind of planning our offer based on that. And then I dug deeper and I was looking at it and there were actually seller concessions, meaning that the seller gave a credit to the buyer of $50,000. So it really didn't sell for 1.1 million. It sold for 1.05 million. And so basically, you know, that was a $50,000 price reduction in what the public records were saying. But, um, that's, that's basically, you know, a daily thing that happens around here. And as I'd mentioned before, in a lot of cases in today's market, um, over 40% of the financing offers do have seller concessions that the seller is helping the buyer pay closing costs. Maybe it's only five or 10,000, you know, it's not always 50,000 like that, but on like an FHA loan that a buyer can get, the seller can give up to 6% um, of seller concessions and the lender is okay with it. On a conventional loan, it's usually 3%. So um, that's one really big thing that you need to um, look at when you're comparing apples to to apples. Um, The other thing is that's a really big thing to look at is personal property. Um, that basically might be like there's furniture, there's vehicles, in-home electronics that are included. And when you're looking at all of that, the prices may be, you know, higher when it comes to that kind of thing, because those things were included. And so that's another thing that you have to look at. And we run into that a lot in the vacation rentals, because a lot of the owners are from out of town, they're not going to come here and get their stuff out of here. They're just selling the place furnished. It's not of any value to them. It may or may not be a value to the buyer. But it still has to be considered, you know, when it comes to um, the purchase and all of that kind of stuff. And then the third thing that is critical, important is non arm's length sale between relatives, business associates, that kind of thing. You know, um, unfortunately, many times when there is a divorce, one spouse might buy out the other spouse. And when that happens, then obviously there's um, some changes and that kind of stuff that that happen with, with that, that the price of the sale looks like maybe like 50% of what the value is. And so if somebody doesn't look at that closely, they think that, you know, wow, you know, that house sold for that price, I should be able to get that for that. But it was a divorce. And so as a result of that, you know, it was full market value, really. But the person who purchased out the other party just had to pay half of it because they already owned half of it. And so, um, you know, it can get complicated and interesting. And that's where when we're looking over the appraisals and we're looking for things that maybe don't add up and everything, those are the kind of things that I'm looking for to see if by any chance there was something that was astray that the appraiser might have missed. And not to, not to um, you know, slam the appraiser or anything like that, you know, because we're all human, but basically when it comes down to it, it's something that they didn't notice or that they didn't know. And we're all trying to come to the same conclusion of the buyer being able to buy the house. And I don't want them to not be able to buy the house because of the appraisal that was done inaccurately. Um, There was a house that I had um, sold that I was working with the seller and the appraisal came in $5,000 lower. And um, on the comps, you know, um, 
one of the things that the particular subject house had with the house that we were selling had a shed. And the um, appraiser had valued the sheds that or the additional proper house property thing that was on the, the property at $5,000. And so um, basically this one comp that was on the report, and there were a couple things on a couple of the reports, but this one comp, it said it had a shed and it showed the picture, you know, from the multiple listing service that showed that this property had a shed. So what I did is I actually looked at the property tax records from the air because on the MLS records, it said that the picture was of a, um, of a, a, a clothesline. And that's what they were showing in the picture on the MLS. Now, I'm not sure why they were showing the clothesline, but they thought that it was value. And so that's what they were showing. And um, and behind the clothesline, there was a shed, a picture of a shed. But when I did the bird's eye view of it, from above, the shed was in the neighbor's yard. It wasn't in this property's yard. So I was able to get the appraisal to come up to what we needed it to be and all of that kind of stuff. So those are the kind of things that I'm saying that you need to do and you need somebody that's experienced in looking at it to make sure that you're finding the right thing and all of that kind of stuff. And so appraisals can be tricky. Um, they are required. You have to remember that it's for the bank's benefit, not necessarily for the, for the buyer or the seller's benefit. It's for the bank's benefit because they're trying trying to make sure that they're going to make a, a solid decision when they're giving you the money to purchase the home. But if you're just joining us, you're listening to News Radio WFLA Orlando. I'm your host, Laura Peterson, your home sold guaranteed realty. This is Central Florida Real Estate Radio with you every Sunday at 8 a.m. Remember, if you want to reach us, you can call or text 407-566-2555. That's 407-566-2555. And now I'm to the point in the show where I'm going to be talking about our house of the week. And this house is actually in Holly Hill. Um, this property is a great bargain. It is um, a three-bedroom, two-bath um, townhome with a very small HOA. And it's only 10 minutes from the beach. It's um, 10 minutes from I-95. It's actually, you know, in Holly Hill in that, uh, in a very nice neighborhood and all of that kind of stuff. They do have a community pool. And so that's very nice. But this property has been completely renovated. And they gutted the kitchen. They gutted both bathrooms. They put a new roof on the property, new flooring, new paint. Um, basically, anything that you're looking for, um, it is there. Now, this property is on the market for 230000 So 230000 for a three-bedroom, two-bath, completely gutted, don't need to do anything to it. And it's in Holly Hill. And so whether you're an investor and you want to have that to rent it out, it would be a great rental property. And if you want to buy it to live in it, then that's obviously, you know, a great situation and everything as well. It doesn't have any carpet in the whole thing. It's a luxury vinyl plank throughout the whole property. It's got um, quartz countertops in the kitchen and in both bathrooms. It's got rain shower, um, shower heads and all of that kind of thing. So it's just a great property property. And um, if you want more information on it, just give us a call and we will get the information, you know, right out to you and show it to you, whatever you'd like. And we can definitely go from there. I am doing an open house um, today on 
7926 Magnolia Bend from 2 to 3. And so if you want to come by, um, that would be great. And um, that property actually has an assumable loan at 2.99%. So it's a great property as well. Um, So come on by and say hi. All right. In order to get in touch with us, you can call or text 407-566-2555. Find us online at centralfloridarealestateradio.com. And we'll see you next week. Have a great one, everybody. Bye-bye.